0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen, and it is Tuesday, December 27th. With most of the team out of the office this week for the holidays, we wanted to share with you some of our favorite episodes from 2016. I decided to go with an older show from spring when Sean, now host of the Energy and Industrial Show, was still my partner for this consumer and retail series. In this episode, we offer some guidance on inventory management, relevant metrics, and just a broad view of how investors should think about this line on the balance sheet when evaluating a company's operations, as it becomes increasingly important for retailers to adapt to the different ways consumers shop and receive their goods, from from in-store to online with home delivery, in-store pickup direct-to-consumer. and Especially as we round out this holiday shopping season, even the most conventional retailers, like supermarkets and grocery stores, are getting turned on their head by new ideas like Amazon Go and smaller store concepts. These initiatives and strategies can all have direct ties to inventory, how it moves through the supply chain, and optimizing these details can often prove vital to a company's bottom line. That explains why one of the most famous CEOs in the world, who we will get to during this episode, has been known to describe inventory as fundamentally evil. Thanks again, fools, for a fantastic 2016. Have a great new year, and we'll pick things back up next week.
1: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Tuesday, May 17th, so we're talking about consumer goods. I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst Vincent Shen, who's going to take us to school on that most exciting of
0: topics: retail inventory management. How's it going, Vince? I'm doing well, Sean. Uh, I personally think it's quite exciting. Actually. Oh
1: man, I was—I didn't even need coffee. Do this! I'm I'm so excited,
0: (laughs) but realistically, though, um, and on a more serious note, uh, you know, this is a really uh, important part of the business for a lot of the retailers, and you know, I'm kind of going to take you through the gamut of some of the different sectors that we think of, uh, how they manage it, and all, and then kind of take you to the gold standard with a company that has truly outdone many of its competitors. Um, So, would you say that? Inventory management might be,
1: I mean, other than advertising, the most important thing that a retailer can do.
0: Well, I think it's for some of the companies that we'll talk about. It is a huge differentiator for them, and something that has allowed them to, you know, win really strong margins, uh, to gain incredible scale. Like think of a Walmart, for example, mm-hmm. who we will touch on briefly. But before I wanted to get into any of that stuff, Sean, don't you uh, have something to to mention for today's show? <sighs> okay, uh,
1: so I'm actually going to be stepping back from the consumer goods and the tech shows to focus more exclusively on the energy show. And uh, so Vince, you'll be having uh, lots of cool. Guest stars and everything, and uh, people got a taste of what I'm going to be doing at the Energy Show last week when I had Daniel Sparks on, uh, not only a Tesla shareholder but a Tesla owner, and we talked about their uh, driverless mode and just the future of Tesla and possible share issuance. So it's exciting. We're just continuing to improve industry focus, and uh, one of the ways we're doing that is uh, uh,
0: diversifying our contributors, and uh, I, I think it's a good move. Sean, I just gotta say that after over a year of doing IF with you, uh, I'm gonna miss you. I
1: bet. I know. I. Uh, I. This. This was what I was most sad about. I was like, oh, I won't get to hang out with Vincent and Dylan, and I'll just have to go to lunch with you guys more or something. And but, I
0: know you like talking about your energy companies, your industrial companies, but come on, you know that the fun stuff is in tech and in consumer. Oh, technology. I know, like inventory management. <laughs> All right, so uh, so
1: can you for the listener that's rolling their eyes right now, not only because of our bad jokes, but because of the fact that we're about to talk about inventory management of retailers. Um, can you kind of draw them in a little bit, explain what it is, maybe jazz it up a little?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So just you know, broad context. You know, this is the idea that you know there's a lot involved in when you walk down you know the aisle at a grocery store, a clothing store, uh, or even like a big box store like a Target or a Walmart. There's a lot involved in keeping. Those shelves stocked with the products that you want. Uh, there's SKUs, which are essentially the numbers that they assign to identify these products. And when you have, let's say, a thousand store locations, and each of those store locations at a big box store, for example, has you know potentially tens of thousands of SKUs. This becomes a huge, huge, uh, you know, operational challenge. And when you are looking at a company and Generally, trying to identify how well it is managing managing its inventory, we like to generally use on the investing side two metrics. So the first one of those is inventory turnover. So that basically tells us how many times a company will sell through the inventory it has in a given period. And uh, this number is calculated. You take it their cost of goods sold. For whatever time period you want to use. Traditionally, it's like on a trailing 12 months basis. And you divide that by its average inventory balance during the period. So you could take Q4 end inventory for uh, 2014 and then the ending balance in 2015, average those two numbers, and then you'll get a time, like essentially. You know, five or 10 or 15 times, basically, how many times they turn through their inventory in that year period if you're going by trailing 12 months. So, then related to this number, you can also calculate their days of inventory, days of inventory outstanding. So, this number basically tells you how much inventory they have on hand, measured by how many days it would take them to sell through the balance they currently hold. Uh, I really like this number because uh, it really makes it, I guess, it puts into perspective. Uh, How quickly and how much, how how quickly a company can sell through its inventory and how much they have, Uh, and it's all within you know the the metric is days or weeks, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the name of the game in retail
1: because you just assuming that. uh, items are being sold for a profit. The f- more quickly you can sell things, the more you can use that money to buy more inventory, and the, the 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 it keeps on spinning.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad you touched on that because the ultimate idea is that this company is pouring resources, it's pouring. Uh, money into whatever goods it's producing, or that it's selling, or that it's acquiring from suppliers, right? So the faster that it can convert that inventory into revenue and cash, it's very beneficial to them. So being able to optimize and uh, you know make these oper its management of its inventory as efficient as possible is really important to the margins and the profitability of any company. And um, you know, so for that. Days of inventory outstanding number, it's a lower number is generally preferred. So the idea that you can sell through it very quickly. But at the same time, if it's too low, you run into the issue of potentially leaving money on the table. If, for example, you don't forecast demand, you're pricing things to sell. And at the same time, uh, you know, you basically can't. Don't foresee outsized demand. You can't meet that, and you leave money on the table. And another thing to keep in mind with these two metrics is that, you know, on their own they don't tell you quite as much as when you're comparing them to their comparing them, excuse me, to their peers or their overall industry or sector. That's where you really kind of see through that comparison uh, how well they're doing. So moving on to our first example, uh, I wanted to talk about urban outfitters. So recently, uh, I did a lot of research for urban urban outfitters for the Supernova Explorer One mission, and I one of th- one of the Motley Fool's awesome newsletter services. Exactly. So I wanted to uh, kind of just look at it for the apparel sector and we'll kind of get more broad into the bigger department stores like Nordstroms as well. But they Urban Outfitters operates three primary chains. Uh they have their namesake Urban Outfitters, Anthropology, Free People. They also have some ancillary brands. And
1: those t- uh, those two uh satellite brands I guess are uh, they're the ones that are growing gangbusters right now as I recall. Yeah, for
0: for for some years they were the ones that were providing most of the growth. Things are overall for the company have slowed down. They're kind of in a recovery turnaround pay- phase. But uh you know, a big focus for the company. You'll hear multiple times in their different management calls, earnings calls, uh, presentations that they do. They talk a lot about their weeks of inventory and managing that number. So uh, I pulled a-, a lot of my calculations from S and P Capital IQ, but Irvin uh, has an inventory turnover for fiscal year 2016 of 6.5 times, and then its days of inventory uh, is at about 56.2. If you compare that to competitors, think Abercrombie and Fitch, American Eagle, The Gap, Express, uh, they they seem to be a little on uh, Urban Outfitters seems to be uh, you know running a little bit more efficiently. Uh, The average for some of those peers is about four point nine times or eighty days. So basically, they're it's taking them longer and they're going through their inventory fewer times in a year. Uh, So as I mentioned, you know with the company Urban Outfitters specifically, kind of going through this turnaround phase. you know by managing inventory better basically for them it reduces the need for them to employ markdowns to sell through uh to sell their goods and obviously that is a very uh Direct impact on their margins and on their profitability, and you know the company is basically kind of being uh, trying to do our management its inventory a little better by making some strides in a supply chain. By, for example, going through to a single SKU system across all of its channels, basically, you know all of its products now, whether you get see them in store or online, same they're all identified by that. that same yeah. SKU number, and this is basically fostering the idea of the. Omni-channel strategy that you hear so many retailers employing now—the idea that you want to give a shopper or a customer the ability to buy whatever it is that you're selling, whenever and however they want. So whether they're in your store, uh, whether they're you know at home on their computer, or they're in your store like on the app, which is something that's becoming very common, where mm-hmm. uh, a shopper will go into Urban Outfitters and they'll interact quite a bit. Due to uh, like these beacons that the stores employ, they'll ping your phone if you're a participant and you have the Urban Outfitters shopping app, and gives you special offers. A lot of people end up shopping online while in store, so it's really like blending all these different channels. I'm really curious,
1: um, you know, since we're talking about inventory management, um, I'm very very curious what um, inventory days and just how much stores are going to have an inventory in two decades. Like, how many things is Urban Outfitters and Macy's and JCPenney and Walmart? How many things are going to have on the shelves? Because. Um, you hear everybody all these retailers talking about their omnichannel strategy and what it's going to entail is having a huge I hate to bring them up again cuz you talk about them every time we talk about retail but Amazon you're going to have a huge Amazon like distribution facility that'll filter out to the stores but they're not going to have every size and every color of shirts and stuff I mean they're just not it's not worth it.
0: Well also another example uh, more specific to the apparel sector you know you look at a company like Zara which is known as this like fast fashion Uh, very successful. And the thing, you know, something that they stress is that they're, uh, they keep inventory levels pretty slim, and when they ship out a new collection, for example, to stores, they do so on a very limited basis. And this not only man- allows them to to manage inventory very well, but also add some exclusivity to the new products that come out. So there's a bit more, you know, the elevated demand from shoppers when they think, "Oh, I might not be able to get this uh, next week if right. the store is going to be sold out, and that's all they're going to have." And so, uh, moving for moving on. Uh, Still within apparel, but also some of the bigger stores. I wanted to talk about like Kohl's, JCPenney, uh, TGX companies, Macy's, Nordstrom. So, larger chains actually tended to have lower turnover and more inventory in hand. They average about 3.9 times in 104 days. And so these things are sitting on the shelves for three months. I mean, yeah. So it's just interesting. So, basically, you know, it would take them about 104 days to sell through everything that they have. So, it's very interesting uh, that the bigger stores are actually. you know the numbers are a little less efficient, you could call it, but not that surprising. So, moving on to that, another sector, and this is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where the apparel retailers are a little slower. Uh, the naturally, as you would expect, the fastest turnover is probably going to come from companies that sell perishable goods. Right. So let's walk down the grocery aisle, for example. Uh, among major chains like Whole Foods Market, Kroger, Super Value. Uh, Sprouts Farmers Market. So, average for these peers is about 16 times and 27 days of inventory. So, the organic food specialists, um, Whole Foods and Sprouts, tend to outperform the broad industry. But if you look more broadly at the bigger box stores, like Walmart, obviously has pushed significantly into uh, into the grocery business. Uh, You get. You you get a lesson really in how effectively they manage it. Uh, they do everything to minimize uh, or to as efficiently run their operations as possible. Even when they get to their distribution centers that you mentioned, like mm-hmm. goods get moved from one truck. Directly onto another truck to go to the stores. It never gets stored in warehouses or it does as minimally as possible.
1: I remember I saw this like report or show about Walmart and they use like, they literally use supercomputers to manage their inventory and everything. And it's, it was amazing to me because these things are like, it should be like, I don't know, solving complex problems or something. And they're, Doing inventory, so yeah. Well,
0: it is complex, and uh, you know that's another reason why Walmart has been so successful over the decades. You know, its numbers are a little stronger than uh, like a Target or a Best Buy, for example. Yeah, cool. So, Vince, uh,
1: you're talking about the uh, the company that epitomizes great inventory management at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Amazon.
0: Okay, so this company and. Uh, I'd say this generally is probably something you talk on, uh, you would discuss on the tech show with Dylan. It's not Amazon. What are you talking? But about? Uh, this is one where I think you know their their retail, uh, their retail stores have become you know famous worldwide. They're almost like a tourist destination unto themselves. I think there was a uh, fun fact on the board here in Full HQ that said that oh. more pictures are taken of the Apple Store. In Manhattan, uh, I believe the one in Midtown. than oh. are of the what was it? The Empire State Building? Yeah, it was the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. I maintain that that's
1: because the Statue of Liberty is harder to get to. But um, okay, so it's Apple.
0: Yes, it is. So you know, here's the company that has the highest sales per square foot in retail. I think it's almost five thousand dollars. It's second only to. Do you know? Oh, it's first. Who who are you, who do you per think per square foot? It's second, it's second only to Tiffany's. Now Tiffany's is number two, actually. You're kidding it's me. Better they than beat Tiffany's. it out. Yes. Oh my gosh! All so, right.
1: So um, sorry, Tiffany's.
0: And uh, you know, in case you're not aware, just for some really quick background, is Tim Cook, when he took over, before he took over as CEO, he had a long tenure in operations for the company, and you know he is known for making major major improvements when he joined in, in 1998 that really changed the ability for Apple to not only uh, Manage the huge demand that it would have for some of its iPhones and other products, but to do so very, very profitably. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, he scrapped all of their in-house warehouses, all of their in-house manufacturing facilities, and went to the contract manufacturers that you know have become so famous, like Foxconn, for right. example. And something that allows them to do is, you know, if you order a phone, you know, it might get, sh- it'll likely be shipped to you directly from the manufacturing facilities abroad, and Apple never even has to, to, to Do anything. take possession of them at any time, and that's just very efficient for them. So, uh, it's a, it's a really funny uh, quote is that T- Tim Cook, he's basically uh, Several times, he's used dairy products as an analogy for inventory, the idea <laughs> being that, kind of like the milk in your fridge, the longer it sits, the more likely it is to go bad. And he's even go- gone so far as to describe inventory as, Fundamentally evil, so it's probably a bit of a stretch, but he believed that uh, you know inventory in hand would shed about one to two percent of its value each week in normal conditions, maybe even more so during a challenging retail environment. So it's really important to be able to turn this very quickly. So, you know, w- you know, with all that in mind, you know, the numbers here are are really impressive. Um, so, instead of having billions of dollars of parts, components, completed products sitting around in warehouses for them, they, they don't have to deal with that nearly as much with the contract manufacturers. Uh, so, trailing 12 months uh, inventory turnover for the most recently reported fiscal 2016, as of the most recently reported fiscal 2016 second quarter, 58.6 times. So, wow. blowing out even a company that sells perishables, like a supermarket, right, and then. The you know average inventory balance during the uh, period was only about two point three billion dollars. So days of inventory, they can sell through it in about six days. I'm just it
1: just I just realized that when I bought my iPhone last spring, it was probably like a week old at that point.
0: So you know <laughs> just and I think the scale here is what really is is just so incredible and hard to imagine is you know. Billions and billions of dollars of product, and they're able to maintain this really just well oiled machine. So, you know, Their the revenues
1: it. were, you know, $50 billion. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: you know, with those numbers, you know, Tim Cook taking over and he might not a lot of people will complain or argue that he's not quite the visionary in terms of design that Steve Jobs was. But, you know, he was also a huge contributor in his time there, both you know, in operations and as CEO, in developing this this model that uh, and the the systems in place that allow Apple to be so profitable, to cut out the cost wherever wherever he can, and to have these crazy numbers, again, that's six days they can turn through their entire that's, inventory. And this dollars. is on
1: revenues for the fiscal year ending September 26th of last year of $233 billion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just I can't even conceive of just doing things that quickly.
0: So beyond some of the other sectors we even talked about, like I, that's one I really wanted to to touch on just because it is like this gold standard, I think, within retail. That's awesome. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. Thank you, Sean. Thanks again for being a great partner for last year. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna miss you. You bet. Well, that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And As always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Vincent Chen, I'm Sean O'Reilly, thanks for listening, and Fool on!